Ag State of Mind, episode 121. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriophol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Ag State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows. Today we talk to my friend, Grace Hasler. Grace is a senior at Purdue University. She's actually just getting ready to graduate this coming spring. She and I met through the Agriculture Future of America organization. I was a speaker at their leadership conference this past November and Grace and I worked together closely on that in coordinating things getting things set up with it she was kind of the leader of the track of students that I spoke to so I was so impressed with AFA as an organization and in particular with Grace I was so impressed with the way she led these future leaders of agriculture and I was just uh, just really blown away and would, had to have her on the podcast to talk about all the things, um, particularly about why mental health became something that was so important to AFA that they had a keynote speaker on it at their leadership conference. So um, I'm very excited for you guys to hear from Grace. Uh, Grace is going to be on to some great things coming uh, coming up. So, all right, here we go with my podcast with Grace Hasler. All right, Grace Hasler, welcome to the Ag State of Mind podcast. How are you this evening? Uh, I'm doing well. It warmed up a little bit today in West Lafayette, Indiana. So uh, we had some eight degree weather last week and I was really Mm -hmm. not here for that. So even being up to 32 is just a godsend. So doing pretty well today. You know, it's funny, always when we start, no matter how old or how young the person is I interview on the podcast, that's the first thing we talk about is the weather. And I think it's like the ag people coming out in us, you know, like it's weather is so important to us. So we, uh, you know, it's always the first thing we talk about. So every person I talk to, I feel like that's what it's either it's hot, it's cold, or it's nice for this time of year or whatever. And, um, you know, it's nice here. Actually, it was in the fifties today, but I think we're going to get some snow this weekend. So it's always changing. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk to you and I, you were, you and I worked together 
through the AFA Leaders Conference back in November. And I had such a wonderful experience there. And I was so impressed with how you kind of, you know, just that short time I was there, how you kind of guided things along. And, you know, I knew I wanted to talk to you on this podcast because to me, people like you are what gives me hope for the future of agriculture. You know, it's, I think we, it, it can look pretty bleak sometimes to people who are in my shoes where, you know, we're trying to figure out what the future is going to look like. You know, we have kids and, you know, what, what kind, what are we going to leave this? What's this industry going to look like in 20 years? Um, so, but I, I felt a lot more hopeful after that conference and you were one of the reasons why. So I wanted to talk to you, find out about you, and then we'll talk about that. So just kind of introduce yourself, what you do, where you're at and the whole deal. Yeah, well, thank you so much for saying that. I know that really I continue to be involved with AFA, Agriculture Future of America, because even as a student, I walked away from my first AFA conference feeling the way that you felt, just hopeful, rejuvenated, like the students that are at AFA are awesome. But my name is Grace Hassler. I'm currently a senior at Purdue University studying agricultural economics and agricultural communication, and uh, I got involved with AFA my freshman year of college, went to my first leaders conference. From there, I attended a few institutes. I was an AFA ambassador on my campus. So I served as kind of a marketing outreach to help students understand what goes on with AFA and how to be able to attend some of the events. And then this past year, when I met you and some of the rest of the crew, I was on the student advisory team. And the role of a student advisor is to help facilitate and plan our biggest event, which is the AFA Leaders Conference. And then we also host sort of mini conferences that are referred to as institutes. So um, being on the student advisory team, really the thing that was the most impactful for me is the beginning of the year we sat down and we created a why. And my why statement had to do a lot with um, my experience at conference. And I mean, what you just said about walking away feeling refreshed and it was to give grounding to the future leaders of agriculture through meaningful and intentional experiences. So this year, everything that we did came back to, you know, personally why we were there as single members of the team. And we put on a fairly successful conference, I'd have to biasly say. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And, you know, it was just so impressive just to, you know, I think for me, I went, you know, I've given a few talks, you know, probably about, a dozen or so, but the energy I felt from that talk was different. The energy, no, it may have been like the setting was different. That was actually the first time I was ever on a stage like that. So um, there was a, you know, that was probably kind of novel to me. Uh, but for me, what what I was so like, I, I felt it felt so warm to afterwards after the talk where where, where students came up talked to me and. I would have had no idea that they were college students or quite a bit younger than me. I hate to say how much younger than me, but, uh, but it's, it, it's very like, gosh, it just made me feel very hopeful and very refreshed. And Carrie felt the same way. Just, she just felt a, a, a just a wonderful energy around that room. Something that's really unique about AFA is everyone that was selected to be at conference their resumes were reviewed by industry. 
So, you know, anyone that are partners of the organization. So the John Deere's, I'm going to end up working for BASF because of relationships there. The Syngenta's, like there's some really big names that actually go through and hand select like who gets to come to conference. So a lot of what we talk about is that it is, you know, quote, the cream of the crop because it's a really selective process to get in. And I know that after my first conference and I continue to feel that way after any AFA event, I'm like, oh, wow, like these people are going to show up again. And I, it's, I don't know, it's really elevating would probably be the word I use to describe the way that you all felt and the way I feel every time I go to an AFA event. Yeah, yeah, elevating. That's a really insightful way to put it because I've never thought of it that way because it, it is. Our moods were just lifted so much. I mean, it was, we were both just like almost high because it mm-hmm. was such a neat experience. We drove home and, you know, it was a four-hour drive home, but it was, it felt good to, you know, the whole deal. It was just a, it was just a really, really awesome thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I even think back to like one of my YAFA experiences and freshman year, we were in like a hot tub, like we'd gone, found the swimming pool at the hotel and man, we're all going to go swimming and we're sitting there chatting. And this girl who grew up on a dairy farm is sitting there with a South Dakota kid that's really into technology. And we're all sitting there talking about dairy farms. And she explains to us that the way that dairy cattle are bred, people don't understand that if we left their babies with them, that they would literally like milk their mothers to death. And so I know that like just that little diverse set of experiences and everybody be able to pitch into conversations like that, you learn so much from the people that you're around, oh, yeah. not even necessarily from like who it is that's coming in to talk. But yeah, you know, and that's what's I find so fascinating about the ag industry is, you know, we get when we especially when we get outside of our bubble. And for me, living in southern half of Missouri, everything looks pretty similar. It's pretty much cow-calf operators. We're grass grass farmers. We, you know, everything's pretty similar. But I didn't really learn and really embrace the diversity within the industry uh, until I started the podcast and started talking to people. Uh, Like you said, like a a dairy farmer from Wisconsin is going to see the ag landscape a lot different than, you know, a farm kid from South Dakota. And, you know, just... uh, it, it we live in this such big country and we're all part of the same industry but we have all have such unique experiences and i love that about it because it gets to such a diverse group of friends and a diverse group of contact a diverse way of thinking about things uh, it really kind of helps you be a more well-rounded person mm-hmm Yeah, I totally agree with that. I actually kind of have a question just to see what you thought of the perspectives of students at conference. Was there any question that was asked of you or any conversation that you had with someone that stood out to you just on the topic that you came and spoke on? So, yes, there is one girl from Utah State. Sadie is her first name. Mm -hmm. Can't remember her last name. And and I don't remember what we talked about necessarily, but I just remember just like, wow, we really connected, mm-hmm. you know, we had a really good conversation and, you know, and there was another girl from somewhere, I can't remember. And, you know, she, she shared with me some of the struggles that she's having and what, you know, it was like she was, um, you know, just kind of coming to me, not necessarily for advice, but someone to talk to mm-hmm. that maybe might understand what she's going through. Yeah. And I very, felt very humbled and very 
just again elevated by that entire experience of just getting to talk to people that's my favorite obviously it's my favorite thing to do i have a podcast you know i wouldn't do this <laughs> yeah. if i didn't like to talk to people so you know getting to talk to people about meaningful things like that yeah it was really awesome mm-hmm. yeah and i think a unique perspective that probably it might not have gotten verbalized but I, personally i've never been a person who's anxious about anything like just tough through it. Grew up on a farm. Like we rodeo, mm-hmm. like you just, you just go on with it and like life goes on. You're just having a good time. But I know COVID for all of us, especially in college, it was tough. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to learn things. Like we had to do our AFA conference virtually. Like I served my last term as an ambassador, which I absolutely adored virtually. And I mean, just some of the experiences that we've had through college, which are supposed to be quote, some of the best four years of our lives. It feels like they're just getting ripped out from under us and it's gone on yeah. for so long and you can't act like that doesn't affect people's mental health oh my gosh yeah i mean i couldn't imagine you know for me college was so hard anyway it was such a you know it was it was a college was challenging for me because i you know i went to school with some people not very many people like me you know so i mean mm-hmm. going to school in the city with not with out kind of i don't know I I I mean I I have some good friends from college still, but it was it was a difficult experience for me mentally. But to have to ha- add that to it, I, I couldn't even imagine what that's like. I couldn't even imagine having you know, because to me, the social aspect of college, and I'm not just saying partying or whatever, but the actual connection, getting to know people, working together as groups. Mm-hmm. F- team building, that sort of things. Those things are, are really learned. You, you learn a lot about that in, just, just in college. And you know, when you're not face-to-face, I, I just don't know how much that can really build. I don't know, you know? So, I mean, mm-hmm. and then for it to go on for, I mean, gosh, it's basically been almost the whole time you've been, or when it's done, all said and done, it'll be the majority of the time you've spent in college. Yeah, like. Yeah wow, you know, you're having a different college experience than you thought you were going to have. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, and then I think my, my, so my sister, she lost the last half of her senior year of high school. And Mm -hmm. then obviously COVID was her transition into college, but even just thinking about students more like her, like she lost an entire track season where she very well could have made it state. She almost didn't get to go to her last like national high school rodeo finals after I mean, shoot, 12 years of going to finals and running around to rodeos. And so I think there's a lot that was taken from a lot of people that has always just been a part of like what we knew was going to happen. So like I I knew I was going to go to college and I knew I'd be here for hopefully only four years, but I'd be here for four (laughs) years. And it's I, I don't know that people always realize how tough it is to have experiences as a loss because there's something you just can't get back yeah i mean yeah i mean i have three nieces who were the exact same boat as your sister and the mm-hmm. fact that they transition you know their last year of their all their last senior their senior years half of them were gone mm-hmm. you know the graduation was weird you know it wasn't they i think their graduation was at like two in the afternoon in a in july on the football field you know like (laughs) so weird like it was everything was so weird 
but you know, I mean, but they're doing it. And my one niece is at one niece is in school at St. Louis. One stayed here and is going to college here, and one's in Texas. And yeah, it's just you know, just to think about it because. And, and, you know, we had a kind of a unique perspective because my son, it was his freshman year of high school. And like to see all those seniors just again, like it was totally ripped away from them. Like it was just, it was weird. It was really weird. You know, thankfully here things are normal-ish, but I know that they're not on most probably college campuses and they're for sure not what they were this time two years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's, oh, that's an adjustment. That's a, something that, you know, everybody's kind of learning in real time. Yeah, it very much is. I'm I'm interested to see how it will start to translate into the work environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I have some professors here on campus that tend to be eh, not so flexible and have had to because of COVID things and people needing mandatory quarantines and family members getting sick, all those sort of things. But I'm I'm interested to see, especially someone going into the workplace who would almost prefer to be in office for at least the first bit just to get adjusted. I think it'll be really interesting to see how, how much more emphasis we put on life balance and being able to balance work and life and what does virtual mean and how flexible yeah. are we going to be with certain people and just as far as not only a learning environment, but work environment. I think it's going to be interesting to see that transition. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I know the, the, the pandemic has been, it's been tough. Like, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's been crap for everybody. But I'm hopeful there's some good things that come out of it. Like you said, you know, I never even thought about that. What it's like for somebody like yourself who's going to go into the workforce post-COVID and you started school pre-COVID, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of see how the workforce is going to change. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. I've never really thought of it that way. Because, like, for me, my day in, day in, day out job as a pharmacist, it hasn't really changed. Mm-hmm. But I know a lot of people who their lives, I mean, even people I work with at the hospital, people I used to see every day, I don't see anymore because they have all worked virtually. And they, a lot of them love it, <laughs> you know, and I think it's uh, an industry as, and we, so this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier as, as a industry that is as diverse as agriculture. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it opens up some really cool opportunities to the fact of people can work for home or can work from wherever and work looks a lot different for people. It's going to be very, very interesting and see some really, I think we'll see some really cool opportunities come out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, actually when I have started looking at options for post-graduation, like what I'm going to do, I told one of my managers this summer after my internship, it was virtual. I was living partially in DC, partially at home. And it was a little tough for me because I'm a pupil person and I really like <laughs> to be in person, really like to hash it out. But talking to him and he was like, you know, if you could have an ideal job, what would it be? I was like, well, I would like to go back like to the family farm and do those things, but be able to work with people from DC. And so now looking at like where this could potentially lead and looking at what you were saying, the diversity and the flexibility of the agriculture industry. Now, if we can (laughs) get rural broadband up and running, then like (laughs) there's so many opportunities for people to be able to put in, even in from, from like a policy and regulatory perspective where they were not warranted previously because you can't get off the farm. Right. 
Right. You know, you're preaching to the choir with rural <laughs> broadband. I mean, that's like one of my, I'll get on a soapbox there because, you know, I remember like, I remember not very long ago being okay with not having good broadband, good internet because it was a sacrifice for the life that I chose. Mm-hmm. I was really okay with that. But then I started a podcast. Then my kids had to go to school online for a while. And then I realized how crappy it was to have a live where I live. You know, what was annoying to me is, you know, where I lived. And thankfully, we I just recently got better internet. So it's where we're actually on have really high speed now. But that just happened. Um, but I know that that doesn't happen for a lot of people who live like I live. I mean, I don't live that rule. I mean, I live maybe some people might consider it really rule, but I mean, I can see where the interstate is from my house. You know what I mean? I can be in a St. Louis, a major metropolitan area in about an hour and a half. You know what I mean? So I'm not that rule. So what about those people who are living on a a ranch in the Sandhills of Nebraska that are two hours from a town? What are they going to do? You know what I mean? How are they going to still have like the same human experience as every one of us and not have the access? And to me, and you know, when it goes into legislation, when it goes into funding for things, I think one of the most important things for rural America and agriculture is that rural broadband, uh, trying to get extensive coverage no matter where we are. And I don't know anything about infrastructure and what it takes, but I do know that it needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, see, I even think about, I live, so Columbus, Indiana is where I'm from, but uh-huh. our farm is 10 minutes from Columbus. Maybe the Cummins diesel engine global headquarters is there. Like it's a sizable city in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Even from my house, 10 minutes away from Columbus, I was trying to take a midterm when I had to become home and quarantine in a trailer during COVID. And the only way that I could get internet to be able to take this midterm that was supposed to be proctored was by sitting on the hot tub lid in my backyard <laughs> because this internet wasn't capable of reaching from two like two walls inside my house out to the trailer that I was staying in for two weeks. So, I mean, I don't even know that it's necessarily a rural, rural broadband issue, which it is, but also there's people that don't have access that absolutely should. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just one of those things where, I mean, you know, I feel like there's certain things that you can do without and there's certain things that you almost absolutely need. And I, I feel like in this forward thing, this forward age that we're getting, you know, and what kills me, here's another thing that kills me. Now, I don't know anything about anything. You know, I'm just talking to you. But like, you can get like direct TV almost anywhere. You know what I mean? So like, I mean, I understand that's by satellite, but like how hard, like, why can't we get better internet? You know, I just, I don't, I, 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 I don't know enough about it to really like understand it, but I, I, that, I think that needs to be a huge top priority for everything we do going forward, because I think it affects so many things. And especially for you and in going into the workforce and looking to, uh, you know, have the kind of career and have a kind of life that you want to have. It's pretty essential, I feel like. 
No, it definitely is. And I know I've I've been involved with some NASDA, the National Association of State Department of Agriculture. I was part of their next generation program. So I got to go to their, you know, policy priority meetings. And I've been involved with some Farm Bureau and Young Farmers and Ranchers things. And I mean, broadband is at the forefront of all of these policy and regulatory conversations. But the fact of the matter is, is everybody in there is just like me and you. And we don't mm-hmm. know how to handle it. We just know it needs to be talked about and right. a solution that needs to happen. So then that kind of, you know, leads into a little bit of a problem we have in agriculture is everyone likes to sit in their silos and they know that I'm good at this and you're good at that. And we're going to stick to it and we're going to do these things. So I think that more than anything, finding solutions to things like broadband, you know, coming back to our AFA thing is about making connections. It's all about finding people that work within these different silos and finding places that we can all help each other. Right, right. Yeah, 100%. So uh, kind of shift back here. What do you think was AFA's main, like what sparked them to have a talk about mental health mm-hmm. at their leaders conference? What, like, where, like, where do you think that started? Was it, was it like from like the student level? Was it from top down? Where did it start? So uh, as a student advisory team member, we have input on every session, every theme, every basically everything that goes on at conference. Their goal is for us to be a voice for the delegates who attend our events so that we can relay those messages. So actually, when we were discussing the session that you hosted, which was enhancing mental health in the workplace, that topic got brought up to us. And as the, there were four of us that were in charge of track three, which is more of the junior senior level students that come to conference. Immediately I said, listen, it needs to be a conversation about agriculture because the suicide rates in agriculture are absurd, especially if you're going to get into older farmers. If you look at the vet science students, I want to say it's three times the national average when you're looking at vet students in particular. And it's, it is a huge issue in agriculture that's not talked about and needs to be destigmatized. So as a team, we came up with, you know, we really want someone to not just talk about mental health in the workplace. We want to talk about the tough issue that is specifically facing agriculture that no one is talking about. And so we just said, you know, we want someone who's in ag, someone who understands Uh, the problem that's facing the industry, and then someone who can give us some solutions and give us some tangible takeaways for students who probably have family members that are struggling with those things. So AFA was founded on a building bridges idea, and we felt that that gap between the stigmatism of mental health and agriculture and people needing that help was a gap that needed to be bridged. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easier said than done, but I think once that conversation gets open, like once somebody kind of like busts that glass ceiling, we're and we're seeing it now. There's there's just constantly people talking about it now, and it's almost like a viral effect where more and more people continue to talk about it. And for me, I just I can't be. I mean, first of all, I'm I'm not necessarily happy that we have to talk about it but at the same time I mean we have to talk about it so I'm happy that it's getting done Mm -hmm. so I mentioned earlier I was at the NASDA annual meeting Mm -hmm. this past winter and at that meeting uh, Zippy Duvall 
came in mm-hmm. and he was one of our keynote speakers and he actually specifically addressed broadband and then started addressing mental health and he teared up talking about the things that he was going or had gone through during a time in his life on stage and i i was so impacted by that as someone in college who's willing to talk about these things and has been a part of a lot of these conversations and i can't imagine uh, the impact that that felt for people who were more like on mm-hmm. zippy's age level had felt the same things and never felt like they could talk about them so yeah it's it's definitely becoming a part of a conversation and again it's not great that we're hearing about it but it's it's great that we're talking about it yeah because it, i mean we we have to right like we it, this is something that is going to affect us for the rest of times like i mean it's mm-hmm. this is one of those things that's you know it's it's never going to hopefully never going to go back to the way it was um you know now that it's kind of out of the bag you know more people giving their unique perspective and sharing their own human experiences when it comes to mental health is is really key and i i for one am so happy in the way that afa approached it you know it's 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 because it's not an easy thing to talk about right i mean we, we all know that, um, but you know the the zeal where I with which I was approached about it really impacted me and made me feel like it was something that was going to be impactful to everyone who was involved in it. Yeah, and yeah, it's it's been a huge part of our conversation as a team leading up to conference because a lot of the things that we've gone through are uh, like respect and inclusivity or diversity, equity, and inclusion training. I think we went through about 20 hours of it as a team together. Uh, And after going through those things, you realize that there's not only so many things that people struggle with from a mental health perspective, but there's so many people that struggle to not fit in in the agriculture environment because we're not welcoming to other diverse members. That's not all the time. I know plenty of great people that absolutely embraced all kinds of people but in general like agriculture in itself is very stigmatized as being like the typical like old midwestern farmer and that's simply not what agriculture is so i think that something i was really proud of afa with this year during our training is first of all talking about the mental health issues but then also following that up with lots of training about how to include people that aren't like us yeah you know and it's you know that's that can look a lot of ways you know obviously race and ethnicity uh sexual orientation all those things are included with that but also i mean just because i think everyone to an extent kind of if if they get out of their in their head i mean i sometimes don't feel or have felt not 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 anymore really you know but but there was a time where you know i didn't feel like it was important what i did or like i mattered or like i had something to contribute you know thankfully i don't feel that way anymore and for the most part the agriculture community is is very welcoming and you know but that's you know i think that goes that's that's, and i i talked about this on a podcast few months ago that diversity looks so you know it's 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 something that like is it, applicable to everybody 
mm-hmm. you know, I mean, thoughts, ideas, you know, it's, it's something that we absolutely have to pay attention to. And we can't, you know, you think of things, you know, one of the sayings that kind of gets brought up a lot is, you know, the quickest way to go broke farming or ranching is to keep saying, well, we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that applies here too. It doesn't have to be the old white Midwest guy that's doing the things, you know, it can be lots of things. It can, and that doesn't, you know, it doesn't know any bounds. And I, mm-hmm. and that's, what's wonderful about it. Yeah. And I think to your point, I love the idea of including more urban agriculture. I think that when we get into, Mm -hmm. you know, these diversity issues and cultural issues, a lot of them are socioeconomic issues and they're geographical issues. And so, of course, someone that lives in the middle of New York City is not going to understand what it's like to farm corn and soybeans. So they can be the ones to understand what it's like to have a greenhouse or to, you know, invest more in horticulture or to take care of their community gardens. And so I think that there's a lot of things within agriculture that we don't normally associate with it as a broader topic. Like agriculture is not just ag, it's also food. It's also natural resources. Yeah. It's everything yeah. that's everything. It's food, fiber, For- fuel. There's forestry, a lot of things hunting, that aren't you know, associated with agriculture that totally yeah. are. Right. And I, for me, again, I've learned so much and like the the two things that stand out to me are like our forestry and fishing, mm-hmm. like their food and their fiber, you know, like, of course, but I never thought of someone who was involved in forestry as that they were in really in a very similar situation than to someone who is involved in corn and bean farming. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's, but it's, they are absolutely facing the same issues. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm glad we touched on that because it is something uh, that is important going forward. And, you know, if we're going to have a robust industry, we're going to have to include as many people as we can. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this industry is only shrinking in like in percentage of the population. So, we need all the fresh new ideas, uh, innovations that we can get no matter where they come from. And, and I think it's, that's where it's going. Yeah. And then, uh, the other thing that I've just been thinking about as we're thinking about all these facets of agriculture is that everyone in the industry is so passionate and it is such a high risk, high vitality industry that you can't do this and not absolutely love it. So my roommate, yeah. she's in forestry. Right. And we will be driving down the road and she's like, Grace, that's this tree. Do you know why that tree is so great? And I'm like, I don't know, Michaela, it gives us oxygen. Like, like why? And then, you know, I have another friend that is taking a weed science class and is so excited because he sees these in his field and they treat it with this and this and this so that they can have better soil health. And it's, it's so cool to see how many people are so passionate about mm-hmm. the work that they do, even if it's identifying weeds and looking at the seeds that come off of trees. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it takes people to be passionate about stuff for it to work, you know. And I'm I'm happy that there's somebody as passionate about weeds and as for and about forestry as I am about cattle and horses. You know, mm-hmm. I I hope that there I hope everybody, not just in agriculture, but in industry as in society, I hope everybody has something that they are passionate about mm-hmm. and approach it with such zeal. We need 
we need passion and there that this is a industry of passion obviously Mm -hmm. um or else it wouldn't exist so embracing each person's unique and and unique passions is very important yeah i think aside from passion about what you do i have been absolutely floored by the passion that the older generation has for investing in the younger so AFA has been an incredible example of that investment to me going through FFA in high school was awesome going through all of our rodeo associations. Um, but I think in particular, thinking back to the conference that you were at, uh, I watched a guy, his name is Casey. I'd been memorizing his name in my script for months. So I knew exactly who this guy was without knowing him. And I sat next to him at dinner and I was like, Hey, fun story. I've been memorizing your name for three months. And so then uh, it, it was it was just really cool to watch him get recognized for the fellowship program where he serves as a mentor to a delegate from AFA. And then he was up for an award. And the look on his face as he watched other people's like video submissions of, you know, what they'd done to get nominated for this award. And then the look on his face of like admiration when he didn't win for me was so humbling. It was like, wow, he's going to invest all this time and all of this energy into a younger generation just to watch someone younger than him win this award that he was put up for. And it it has absolutely been one of the most humbling moments of my life to see someone who has invested so much in the younger generation that they don't even know. Mm-hmm. Wow, that is... That's pretty impressive. It really is. It was cool. It was really cool. It's just, you know, and that's, that's kind of stuff that's going to keep this, keep things thriving. I mean, that's, that kind of stuff is so, so important. So looking forward. So you're a senior. Mm -hmm. Obviously you've got some ideas about the future. What does that look like for you? Um, So I uh, have actually accepted an offer with BASF. And I'm going to help them. I'll be the first person to go through a new professional development program where uh, we're going to tailor it instead of a sales and marketing route to be more of a policy and regulatory route. So I was this for their first intern this last summer, and I actually got that through an AFA event. It was a disaster. Like my Wi-Fi got unplugged. Like this guy <laughs> couldn't figure out his background, and and then we had these t- this ten minute conversation about diversity in agriculture. And he emailed me afterwards because we ran out of time on this Zoom call, and he was like, right. "Hey, can I have your resume?" And so that's how I met my boss. Ended up with my internship was through AFA, and then now I'm actually going to get to help them develop this program because they see a big opportunity for. Uh, I mean there's a lot of people that are interested in policy, frankly, especially at colleges like Purdue. And so for me, uh, we kind of touched a bit on it earlier. I would love to be able to go back to the farm. Uh, My family runs a boarding business with about 50 head of horses. And I grew up giving lessons to students who were interested in furthering their rodeo pursuit and day camps for, you know, city kids that don't know a thing about being on a farm. And we did some stuff with the like a remarkable kids rodeo and a developmental preschool day at the farms. So I would really love to go back to the community that raised me and have some sort of a hand in that. But being in policy is also a passion of mine as well. So if everything, if the world turns the way that it's turning and goes a bit more virtual, uh, ideally, I would love to be at home reinvesting in that community and then have an opportunity to be a part of some policy procedures as well. That is that is super cool. 
Like, you know, and I can see it happening. I can see you having this, that what we talked about earlier, how the world's turning, how it's going. I can see that this, that that's a possibility for you. Um, and how cool is that? How cool is that possibility that you have to be on the policy side of things and, you know, almost, you know, in the inner workings of what's going to happen, but also be on the ground level of applying it as well, you know, being a part of that rural community, being a part of the agriculture community, um, you know, having your hands in both sides of it, that seems really fascinating to me. Yeah, I, I think for me, I did an event. It was the discussion meet through Young Farmers and Ranchers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I pulled out my notes because we talked a lot about mental health was one of the questions mm-hmm. that we covered. Uh, but everything that we talked about, every issue that came up, it all just comes back to a local level. So, yeah. you know, even if the federal government's going to put in this and that, or even your state government's going to do this and that, what really matters is who's passing out meals at the food bank and what really matters is the people that are willing to give a little to their community from something that they've built so that others can build something for themselves and so I think that truthfully and looking back to a local level that's why I'm so drawn to going home is because first of all someone decided to do that for me and Mm -hmm. I it's really exciting to think about doing that for someone else you're right the biggest change any one of us can have or the biggest impact any one of us can have is on the people closest to us, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that looks like for you. And, you know, starting, like you say, starting on that small level, you know, no matter what happens in DC and we want big things to happen in DC, mm-hmm. obviously, because it trickles on down. But, you know, if you can affect and do good things to your community around you, that's, that's where you really touch people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. So, well, cool. Well, Grace, I really appreciate you being on the podcast tonight. Uh, I appreciate the how how easy and fun you were to work with when I did the AFA event, and I I obviously know that the future is going to be bright for you. So, if if people want to reach out from to you, how how do they do so? Yeah, well, I have a. And Instagram, which is how you reach out to me at grace mm-hmm. underscore Hassler, H-A-S-L-E-R. And then also my email is grace Ann, A-N-N, Hassler at gmail.com. Okay. Well, we'll link that in the show notes when this goes live. So, all right. Anything we didn't cover that you wanted to? Uh, I think if there is one thing, I was going, sure. again, Go I was going over these discussion meet notes and a lot of what we talked about as far as the mental health was healthcare and this, that, and the other. And, you know, it was all getting real technical. And then at one point, the person I was having a discussion with stopped me and they were like, okay, but when we're talking about the stigma, what you need to realize is that regardless of what we overcome, empathy is free. And Mm. so whether we're talking about mental health, diversification in agriculture, some of the experiences we're having as, you know, college students are going through COVID, regardless of what we overcome, empathy is free. Yeah. Yeah. And man, do we need a lot of it? Isn't that the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Well, cool. Well, I appreciate you. I appreciate all you do. And, uh, you know, let's uh, hopefully maybe we revisit this conversation in a couple of years once you're into your career and, you know, it looks probably nothing like you expect it to, right? (laughs) Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, we'll catch up. Great. Thanks so much for having me on, Jason. It was it was great being here. Of course.
It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.